Well, I've got something on my mind, and I was going to make a note of it, and I think I'll just do it right here. Um, I made a uh, live Facebook video earlier in the day and talked about our needs to feel significant and safe as primary human needs, uh, needs that we can't go without. And that leads me to think later this afternoon about the nature of love. We all want to be loved, and we want to be loved unselfishly. We want to be the object of love and affection because we truly feel significant and safe with that kind of love. Uh, it thrills our being. Now, here's the catch. Do we love like that? Do I love like that? Thinking about my uh, last marriage, my third marriage that ended in divorce, my wife needed to feel safe and protected. I know that she felt most loved when she felt most cared for even though she was independent and could work and took care of herself, very professional. Uh, that's what did it for her, I think. And when I could no longer do that, when I no longer did it, um, when she was taking care of me financially uh, and through uh, an illness as well as an accident, it strained the relationship. Uh, which had already been strained for some time. There's much more to the story. And I'm not being critical of her and her needs at all. Uh, I think she made a mistake in leaving, but that's another story, and that's not one I would talk about here. <clears throat> the point is, I was not selfless in my love. Self-sacrificing. Um, I can love others and attend to their needs, but it's very difficult as I look at myself to see that I do it without some desire to feel significant about it. And I, I, that's okay. I, I, there's a degree of that, yeah, you should feel good about doing good. Uh, if you feel bad about doing good, you're not going to do good. Uh, feeling good matters uh, as a motivation. But really... Where is that pure, uh, self-sacrificing love? That love that really puts the needs of the other above your own needs, not because you're trying to look like you're loving, like you're a good mother or a good father or a good child, a good church member, a good workmate, a good boss, but because you truly, without adulteration, you truly desire the good of the other person, their well-being, and you would rather see them do well and be well and have a good life, even above your own. You would sacrifice yourself for that. Uh, love is to will the good of the other, eh? Wasn't it Aquinas that said that? Love is to will the good of the other. It's not simply a feeling. The feeling comes after the choice and the action. The choice is made, the action is done. Yeah. Nobody loves like Jesus. 
Nobody loves like Jesus. And we see it rarely, really, among his disciples. That kind of selfless, disinterested love, they used to call it, I think, in the 19th century. Um, Disinterested in what it would bring to self. Not even conscious of benefit or reward, but simply wanting the good of the other. Now, we qualify this love by saying wanting the good of the other because satisfying their every whim and need isn't love. People people want all sorts of things that aren't good for them. And yet, just as they find it hard to discern between what's good and what's not, we find it hard to discern what's good to give them and what's not. So much manipulation and lying takes place in the satisfaction of needs. But we see in Christ, in his life, this selflessness. And to believe, to really have faith that he loves us, that he loves me, that he loves you in that selfless way, it almost beggars belief because it's so rare. Jesus said himself, when I come, will I find faith? And it's a faith that really believes that in the love of God and all that the love of God means. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. And it is cold today, dark and cold and lonesome for many, many people. I feel it. Others feel it. Well, So where do we get this love? By his abiding presence in us, by a union with him through faith, by receiving him, by giving up on all of our mechanizations, all of our manipulations, all of our manufacturing, and we receive him as a gift into our life, believing that he says he will give us this rest, he will give us this peace, he will forgive our sins. Yeah. He died for our sins. How can we disbelieve him? He suffered for our sins. He became a curse for us. Because in all of our hatreds, bitterness, our fears and anxieties, in all the loveless things that we've done, things that really deserve to be extinguished, to never be seen again, that deserve death, he died that death that was ours, that we could have this life of love and righteousness that is his. And there's a side note. Uh, The true love of God uh, is not contrary to his righteousness or his holiness. His love is holy. His righteousness is love. His justice is love. The attributes of God live in perfect harmony with one another. And when we decide, when we conclude that the object in life is not to have every one of our needs and wants met, but the object of life is to glorify this God who is love, then our needs are met in him. Uh, Something to think about, something to dwell on. I hope this blesses you, and it's given me uh, more to think about. Blessings.